All right, everybody, welcome back. This is not Joe Tweeds, but it is the Tinkerman. Um, I am editor Jake, producer Jake, if you don't know by now. This is part two of the Tinkerman, the Let's Tinkerman. Um, this is part two. Yesterday was part one. If you didn't listen to it, go back. It's it's not like necessary, but like you should. It's it's the predecessor. This is a continuation of that conversation. And uh, we'll, we'll jump right into it with Joe. I think the next thing we probably want to tackle here, Seb, is we'll probably start with the coach before we look into sort of the, the squad, because I think it, it, that probably is the the sort of the, yeah. the natural progression there. So if you're looking at sort of the candidates that Chelsea are being linked with, um, I guess a little bit of a nod to the squad in terms of what potential sort of system or, or shape that you might be looking at or game model in for the future. Um, which of the current sort of, I guess you've got <clears throat> Pochettino and probably Nagelsmann. I think Enrique maybe is being discounted a tiny bit, but, but Poch and, and Nagelsmann. Do do either of those, you think, do they suit the squad? Are you excited about them? What, what's your sort of preference or what's your take on the two the two big names that we're being linked with? Yeah, so, so in general, in terms of, um, we often talk about the, the project and the direction the club wants to take. I think if we want to continue buying players that are 22, 23 years old uh, with good scouting, because I really believe someone like Badiashil, like Fofana, like Gusto, like uh, Badwike are really good piece of business. Um, you need a, a head coach who, need, who coach, who is able to coach. Uh, I think Pochettino fits the bill in, in that regard. Uh, you give him the players, he's going to coach them. Um, I think there's a, the first option is, of course, to go for someone like Leonardo Jardim, like uh, Nico Kovac, like Pochettino. Uh, it's going to be provided the players, uh, fit them into a framework, uh, make them work as a team, and that's it. And the other direction, I think we would be misleading in trying to go for Ancelotti, of course, uh, or the Mourinho yeah. type, or I believe maybe the Nagelsmann type, because for Mourinho and Chelotti, I think they are not the, the right option because we we didn't build anything with that squad yet. Uh, they are good managers when they are able to take over a team. Um, not that Mourinho didn't build one at Chelsea in the first time, of course, but uh, you need to have some sort of uh, identity on the pitch yeah. to have someone in the second uh, phase of that project uh, like Ancelotti, uh, keeping together a squad that has been assembled by other people than him. So it's not the good route. And I think the key point which we raised uh, before ends is the direction in terms of playing style we want. Uh, if we want someone like Pochettino, it means that we are going to fit players into something more rigid in terms of training and training methodology. Uh, even at Spurs, even at PSG, which was uh, quite good under him uh, compared to, to other coaches. Uh, Pochettino likes to have uh, the right winger on the right, the left winger on the left. Uh, he likes pattern movement in final third. Uh, he's also able to empower pe people uh, within that framework, but it's very mechanic, very rigid, but he's got a really good track record in terms of improving young players um physically to, to press and defend and i was often impressed uh with pochettino and 
And Spurs, uh, people forget that he made 86 points behind Conte and the 30 win squad, of course, in 2017. 86 points with, with Spurs is phenomenal. And yeah, it's true. Were, yeah, yeah. And they were able to, to play with a young team, able to press, have a good defensive record, and score goals. And usually, you, you don't even have half of these points uh, or boxes ticked. Usually, you have a young team considering a lot of goals, uh, like uh, Brendan Rodgers' teams. Uh, you have a team not considering goals, but not scoring goals. Uh, doing everything well with uh, 29 years old players. So it, it ticks a lot of boxes. Um, and maybe with the kind of attackers we have, because we don't have Neymar up front, we don't have Mbappé up front, we have Madweke, we have uh, maybe Nkunku and players like that. Or, or Mudrik was screaming out for coaching, Mudrik. Uh, and he won't, going, he won't be going anywhere if he's not coached to, 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 to play like a top-level winger. Uh, so maybe Pochettino would be a good direction for that, but just like Kovac or uh, Leonardo Jardim. And on the other hand, I think Nagelspan is enticing and inviting, of course, because you are going to have someone who takes the center stage, uh, try and uh, maybe tinker a bit tactically, try uh, a very open setups uh, with a lot of interchange, a lot of position, a lot of fluidity. But the concern maybe I would have with Nagelsmann is that you can't have uh, too many cooks in the kitchen if we are going to have an ownership who is willing to be maybe more on ends than the previous one was. Uh, we have three or four directors of football um, and a coach who's going to want some sort of spotlight as well. Uh, I think that might be an issue with Nagelsmann at one point. And I also believe, and it's my maybe feeling based on what he did so far, is he has played quite a lot of young players over the years uh, at Leipzig, at uh, Bayern Munich as well. But uh, it's fair to ask the question whether top-level attackers and top players are willing to play would I say under him and take instructions? I remember Lewandowski was uh, not openly against Nagelsmann, but he was reminding him uh, he was the one scoring the 41 goals and not Nagelsmann. <laughs> so, so yeah, you can't have the manager uh, trying to exert a level of control over everyone. Otherwise, people are just calling their agent and uh, trying to find a way out. And I think maybe the, the, some sort of consequence of that I wouldn't want, in exam by example, uh, uh, the situation we have seen with Upamecano at uh, maybe Leipzig and maybe Bayern, having young defenders having to defend in really, really open setups yeah. and it's have maybe design. a manager not taking full accountability about uh, the consequence of having a, a wildly open setup. Uh, I think Nagelsmann would be good, but if we are going to have... Uh, Someone like Wesley Fofana or Badiashil hung out to dry uh, on counter-attacks uh, six or seven times a game. Yeah. And after the game, it's all about uh, he made a mistake, uh, he missed a tackle, we made too many mistakes and whatever. Again, people are going to jump on the point that Mourinho used to do that a lot over the years, but almost 
exclusively to provoke a reaction. So you you can you can uh, bite or you can bait or you can uh, uh, wind up maybe the, the better word you can wind up uh, a drug bar a lampard or balak uh, to get a reaction on the next game, but uh, you're not going to have a good reaction if you play uh, Bayashil or Fofana at the back, uh, throw them under the bus after the game because they missed a tackle. Uh, and if you extend at other players, someone like Chukwumeka, like Madweke, you're not going to to get something out of them if it's all about uh, uh, yeah yeah bashing players after the game because they, 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 can't, they can't score, they can't finish. So I think the, the criteria will be really important to Pochettino, of course, fits the bill because he never uh, spoke badly of his players uh, after the game or whatever. It's always something quite flat, quite measured and quite uh, predictable in terms of reaction and post-match reactions. Uh, someone like Nagelsmann maybe is more interesting in terms of the football, genuinely, but there might be a question um, who's going to take the center stage the manager the players the ownership the, uh, you, you can't have a, a two or three different spotlights on a team the nagelsman point you made the uh the hanging players out to dry thing that that is that's my number one concern i think with him you know yeah. people are looking at as you say the you know sort of the attacking principles on this all this sort of stuff here but that that is based on a foundation when you are happy to leave two centre-backs on an island to defend absolute chasms of space. Yeah, Very yeah. little, you know, defensive midfield cover. You know, your full-backs are, for all intents and purposes, playing as, as you know, kind of advanced wide midfielders. You are asking, as you say, you know, it doesn't matter how great athletes Fafana and, and Badia Shile and, and Chalobah and potentially Levi Carwell are. You know, at some point in the game, you, you're going to get turned because... You know, attackers are they're, they're great players. That's why they, they play at that level. So that that's my concern, particularly in the Premier League, is having this sort of kamikaze highline approach where you know every single team that seems to have at least one player in their you know their front three or, or whatever sort of con- construct they're playing, who is just an absolute sprinter. So I mean, do you want Paddy Ashile? Do you want Fafana? Do you want whoever chasing back? You know, some absolute sprinter for the entire game. Um, just for the sake of having a slight numerical advantage in midfield, in build-up, or whatever that might be. All right, familiar voice editor, JQ, to say that we're going to quickly jump to an ad break. Thank you so much to our sponsors. The reason the show gets to happen, the reason we get to work with so many incredibly talented people in the Chelsea sphere, we'll be right back. Are you missing out on your favorite shows because it's not available in your region? Trying to keep your private time private? Well, let me introduce you to NordVPN. If you're bored of the US Netflix, why not just take it for a spin in the UK? Using NordVPN and a click of a button, you can do just that. No need to travel to Japan for your favorite anime when NordVPN brings it right to you with 5,000 plus servers. No show is out of your reach. Using my link, nordvpn.com forward slash London is blue. You can receive a huge discount on a two-year plan with one month free. We all love to binge, but privacy is a big deal too. NordVPN keeps your information encrypted so you never have to worry about your IP or location getting out. They've also doubled down on keeping you safe with their new threat protection feature. Say goodbye to intrusive website ads and malware. Even if you download an infected file, threat protection kicks in and deletes it before it makes a mess of your computer. Don't forget, there's literally no risk to you with their 30-day money-back guarantee. Give it a try, and if you like it, great. If you don't, they'll issue a refund, and you can pretend the entire situation never happened. Check it out. My link, nordvpn.com forward slash London is blue to get your subscription started today. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly again to your point, you know, interesting open tactical setups. I think he's a good problem solver, but I think if we're looking for a safer pair of hands to construct this squad, I'm probably leaning towards Pochettino as well. And I think the other thing, which I, I, I know this isn't, it is a little bit of a dig at, at the player, but also I think just highlights sort of what he can get out of them is the, you know, Deli Ali was a world beater under Pochettino for a number yeah. of years. You know, he, the, the goals that he was getting from midfield and, and just his general play. Um, he can get performances and, and Spurs were a very dangerous team under him. You know, you look at sort of the drop-off they've had sort of post-Pochettino when they, they wanted to move on. I think he's probably energised and probably would welcome the challenge. And I think you look at this squad, I think there are players that, that, he, that he can certainly work with. So I think moving moving forward a bit now, Seb, in terms of looking at, I guess, heading into the, well, let's say the rest of the season, but heading into next season with some returning low knees and, and hopefully a little bit more of an intelligent um, I guess recruitment in terms of actually targeting the areas that we need needed for for a number of years. Let's maybe start with if you're looking at the squad at the moment. You're sort of thinking, okay, what what sort of players are we going to be looking at in terms of recruitment? We've got a number of good centre backs. We've got some good wing backs. Are, are you sticking with a back three shape for next season? Is is that where your head is, or are you looking at sort of a, a restarting and, and and sort of rebuilding something with with a back four? What, what's your sort of preference in terms of game order for next year? Honestly, we have some incredible defenders at the back. Someone like Badiashil, Colwill, Fofana, Chaloba. You can play quite an open four at the back setup without being troubled because they can defend the channel, they can defend in the air, they can defend in behind, in front. So really, I think the question will be more about uh, the contract situation of Thiago Silva and uh, Koulibaly. Uh, it's maybe not the, the most popular opinion uh, I have. I have a lot of unpopular opinions, but maybe <laughs> Thiago, yeah. maybe Thiago Silva was a, a question to, to have uh, to... to because I think if we get one more season of Thiago Silva, but it means we are losing Colwill or Chaloba, I would be maybe a little bit disappointed with that. Um, as for Koulibaly, I think, uh, of course, uh, Tuchel didn't want him as a left centre-back. He wanted him either as a centre centre-back or right, uh, right centre-back. Um, I, so, I, I really believe he had a quite decent second part of the season. Uh, he's a really good guy, and I think in terms of leadership, he's been quite important in um, since the turn of the year. Uh, in terms of choices, uh, when I saw him digging out Kovacic for uh, a lack of effort against Everton, uh, they were arguing uh, real hard um, about uh, about the Kovacic performance. Is uh, is captain material? Koulibaly. He joined way too late. I think he, he was a player who we were linked with for maybe five or six years, but uh, he's been a good leader. Uh, but we have maybe one or two players too many at the back. Uh, we are going to be forced to consider three at the back setups because there's Silva, there's Koulibaly. So if one leaves or maybe the two players leaves, uh, of course, it's going to be a back four, but... I think we, we can play for the back, but the, the contract situation means that we are going to be forced to, to consider a three at the back. So if that's potentially the, the shape moving forward, I, I guess my... Okay, so this, this is the one that I want to get in with you because I, I think you're sort of over over history speaking to you and, and, and learning from you and getting at your opinion and certainly feel on players. 
you're probably one of the best people I've known in terms of being able to identify what would make a, <clears throat> a successful midfielder, both in terms of the Premier League and I, I just guess in terms of European football. You're, you know, you've you've mentioned guys to me four or five years ago that when they're like 15, 16 playing in, in France in the academies, and then you know, three years yeah. later or four years later, they're at they're and they're at an absolute mega club and, and they're superstars. So I think Enzo Fernandez, I believe with the right partner, could be a game-changing kind of player in terms of his passing, his vision, his execution, his technical ability. He's got a little bit of an edge that we've lacked probably since Fabregas in, in that sort of creative role as well. What does the ideal partner for, for Fernandez look like if, if we're assuming um, that this is going to be some sort of double pivot, double six, yeah. whatever terminology you want to use, that that midfield pair, who is the, what is the profile and, and if you've got any names, that would be interesting as well. I think the, the the key point about Enzo is that he's able to do a lot of things, but he's definitely not a, a fixed midfielder or a six or a defensive midfielder. In fact, he's much closer to a Verratti or Tony Cross type of midfielder, maybe maybe even Modric because and Fabregas, of course, because he's able to act as a platform to create from anywhere on the pitch. So yeah. you need to have he's able he's got incredible legs and he's able to, to play diagonals and shipped pass with no uh, backlift and no 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 running. Uh, he, he can control the ball the ball sorry uh, from a fixed position and uh, and play however he wants. Usually you, you have players who need to run in or be on the move uh, to play this kind of pass. He can play everywhere. He can be close to the touchline and play uh, a pass inside the box. So you, you need to allow that movement from him uh, to be able to, to, to impact the game. Uh, he's also able to, to get the ball back and so he's got quite good defensive numbers, which is, uh, I find is astonishing because all over the place defensively, he keeps crossing zones, defending left, right, uh, running one side, wrong side of the player and uh, ball watching, chasing after players and whatever. And he ends up the game with uh, three or four tackles, three or four interceptions. It's, it's phenomenal because <clears throat> if he can be drilled into something more uh, sound defensively, is going to keep making a lot of numbers and able to impact the game. Is a I, I wasn't so sure before I joined that he was a 120 million players and whatever, but he's really really good. And I think he might be some some sort of role defining players for for the years to come, uh, merely for the fact that there's not many players in the European landscape uh, who play like him at all. So he, he needs to have that kind of freedom. And I believe you don't need a water carrier behind him to, to feed him the passes. He can drop deep and connect. He can move wide and roll out to, to, to ask the ball close to the touchline. Uh, he can impact the game from anywhere. And we have good enough players to pass the ball from the back. Um, Badiashil, of course, is a brilliant to, to, to connect people. Fofana can pass the ball. Um, of course, um, Colwill can pass the ball. Uh, Malo Gusto. Maybe we are going to, to cover him just, just after, but he's, he's actually a, a central midfielder who's been played at the at right back quite late in his development. So we have people at the back who are able to connect uh, with difficult passes, something that maybe someone like Rudiger or maybe before him, Gary Cahill, 
<laughs> for all his qualities, wasn't able yeah. to play line-breaking passes and, and whatever. So we don't need to add one more player in midfield for the simple reason that one more player in base midfield is one less attacker up front. And we have seen enough, I think, uh, structural um, building from Tuchel, uh, with his uh, three-two base to build the ball up. But uh, Tuchel was a lot about maybe outnumbering teams uh, six or seven against two to bring the ball up. So of course, it was fluid. Of course, it was brilliant. But uh, we had two or three people in the attacking half to, to create something. So of course, it's going to be picked up. And maybe other Potter, it was less structured. And we had a lot of people to, to pass the ball about at the back. But uh, again, <laughs> not in... Yeah, yeah. But it was really similar to, to Brighton. There was a lot yeah. of players at the back. It's weird to press because it's, it's lopsided. You've got, um, uh, of course, you've got the players dropping in midfielders and, and all that. You have six players to play out. You're going to outnumber teams. So I think the, the, the ideal partner for, for Enzo would be someone who's equally able to, to sit and maybe get the ball back. Ideally, it would be someone like um, Caicedo or um, Luca Gourna, of course, <laughs> which we've been mentioning uh, for quite a number of years. Yeah. But I don't think, I think it's a fallacy, fallacy to, to look at a fixed six. Uh, it doesn't exist. Uh, even Kante has always played as some kind of box yeah. to box eight and midfield two. Um, there's enough running and energy in midfield to consider uh, a midfield two. And maybe the player knocking at the door, I didn't think. Uh, he would be that close. Is uh, Andre Santos, of course. Um, maybe, maybe he can play a part. I wouldn't bet against uh, against that, but uh, yeah, maybe he can play a part. Santos is an interesting shout. I, I think probably just in in sort of the the lethargy around the club at the moment, sort of the feeling that I think that we he made his Brazil debut, didn't he, as well recently? Yeah. So I mean, that there's clearly. Well, I mean, I, you know, I, I've. I've seen him play a number of games in that sort of Brazil you know, youth tournaments and, yeah. and, and all that stuff recently. And you, you look at the player and you think there is definitely, you know, he's got this kind of weird blend of of doing ridiculous Brazilian stuff in midfield in terms of flair, but then, you know, he'll fly into tackles like he's yeah, sort of peak yeah. Michaelessian. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, obviously this is, this is the idol player that I've been looking for for my entire life. Um, but I think you're right. I think having... This concept that you need a definitive sitting player to sort of allow Enzo, I hate the word, you know, unlock unlock a player is, is a phrase that really irritates me. But, you know, this sitting player that unlocks him to, to go further forward. I think the way that certainly the midfield is kind of, it's almost coming back to having that sort of box-to-box players who are great, as you say, dropping deep, receiving, but can actually carry potentially through midfield. But also, you know, we're starting to see a lot of midfielders emerge now who who are grabbing those sort of five, ten, you know, maybe sort of low, low tens or, or, or teens goals in terms of goals and assists and stuff this season. They are really starting to move from players who are, I think, um, Graham Sunis, I actually used the word, I think it was, uh, he calls them influencers. I think that's a little bit of a dig at, at the social media stuff yeah. here. <laughs> players who, in, in midfield who who look pretty and are aesthetic, but just shift the ball from left to right and don't mm-hmm. really do much. That, yeah. that that became a bit of a trend in certainly the past number of years. Lots of midfield players in Europe have great passing numbers and look, you know, have got a great first touch and their body shape is, is really pretty to look at and all, all this sort of stuff, but they don't really influence the game. Um, 
And I think, yeah, you're right in saying that looking for somebody who is is on probably potentially on that left-hand side in terms of receiving, in terms of, uh, of a skill set, dynamic, someone who can carry the ball, somebody who is hopefully, hopefully I say, has got a bit of a long shot on them. Just the threat of that, you know, would would change the way the team's defending against us immeasurably. So I think the, yeah, that box-to-box profile is interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, for you, you know me, I, I've been screaming about buying a midfielder pretty much since Matic left us in terms of filling that that shape. Um, yeah, I, I completely concur with, with, with the names you mentioned. I think Santos is going to be a very interesting prospect to look at in the summer because yes, he's young. Yes. He's, you know, he's not playing in the premier league, but you look at the skill set, and I guess, yeah. you know, he's, he's a theory player, isn't he? In theory, he could be, he could be somebody that would be a good partner, but that would be certainly interesting there. And I, I guess now moving into, I, I I don't mean to call it Chelsea's attack because it's not really attacking much this season. The the front the front players or the four players that we have, um, if we are I guess playing a, a free or I think you've mentioned that the centre forward is is probably the biggest area of concern and and figuring that out there. Do you think if if we get that profile of player, there's talks so I would say there's talks you know Victor Osherman for example. Um, I guess there is. Uh, actually he is probably the, the name that most people are, are sort of be, being uh, linked to in terms of excitement at the moment you've got I think his um, I also get the guy's name Evan Ferguson at Brighton I think is certainly an interesting player in terms of his physicality and skill set but I, I think what I would love you to talk about and I guess this is a view that I share is that actually having that reference point somebody who can play back to goal somebody who can bring some of these players in actually I guess in some cases get Chelsea up the pitch in, in a very kind of broad sense, is probably the profile of player I'm going against rather than this slightly different player. You you could play an Nkunku off of him. You could play a, a Habits off of him. You could play a number of players off of that kind of player, even you know, if you've got wide forwards who are going to sort of come in a bit bit, bit narrower. What, what's what's your take on what Chelsea need in that number nine role? And and I guess, have you got any names that beyond sort of the, the obvious ones that we've, that we've been linked with? Yeah, I, I think... Uh... Again, the goalposts don't move in England. You have other leagues. Yeah. <laughs> in other leagues, you have pressing, which is very structured, very chess-like. Uh, in Italy, you've got the, the theory books, uh, how to drill a press from a 4 3 three. It's it's like one piece after one other. And in England, even if there's a lot of good influences and different influences in terms of playing style and structure and tactical input and whatever, uh, when England, when teams in England are going to to press you, uh, they are going to throw people at you, uh, press the goalkeeper, press I, and you are going to need some relief players able to run the channels. And I always thought someone like Kai Havertz uh, wasn't fancying or wasn't enjoying at least uh, uh, battling in the channel, uh, digging deep and uh, trying to 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 get something out. Uh, people don't maybe don't of, don't consider that at the, the right value, but Harry Kane is absolutely phenomenal to, to yeah. provide an outlet. He's really boring in terms of interviews, of playing style. He plays always the, uh, at the same, always the same moves, always the same motions. But uh, when the team is in trouble, you're going to see Harry Kane on the touchline on the midway line, is going to receive the ball, turn, get a foul every single time. And we've been lacking that kind of player who can chase the ball. Uh, even yeah. Tammy Abraham used to be able to 
to get on the turn, run the channel, maybe get something, get a throwing, get get whatever he, he wanted to 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 retain position and uh, get the team out of our half. And I think the, the key point is to have someone who was able to pin the defensive line. Even Lukaku, Lukaku was started the season well last season, but uh, even in the spell where people were asking questions uh, around October, November, uh, if you if you watch at the games, even against Crystal Palace, you have Lukaku in the box and you have four players narrowing on him because they're afraid to be hot muscle. Uh, the ability to, to draw people onto him is going to create space. And it's it's not a dig at Avertz or Werner, but if you play them up front, you're going to have defenders switching off against them because they're not a threat. Uh, they're not going to score. Even if they go through, they're not going to score anyway. So you, you need someone able to pin the defense, out-muscle them, and also uh, create that, uh, that fear because if you look at uh, if you look at Haaland, uh, defenders are terrified. Ozyman as a stride. When you, when you look at Ozyman running at defenses, he, he, he creates something out of the stadium. You can notice someone running at that pace with that stride, uh, with that energy. Uh, defenders don't want to play against a striker uh, who can put them in trouble, and we haven't had that. So so maybe a profile like. Uh, uh, Ivan Tony, depending on the suspicion, of course, but uh, <laughs> someone yeah. like that it could be a good battering ram up front. But uh, the question with Chelsea is always difficult because if we are looking now at a player to, to battle up front, uh, Jogba, it was 15, 20 years ago. Uh, he had a rough time at the start from Pundit, from maybe sections of the fan base, and etc. Uh, we can't afford nowadays to sign someone like Ivan Tony for 70 million and have him score five penalties in the season and be the scapegoat because he's not quick, he's not, he's not whatever. And it's going to be really difficult. And I think, I think it's a bit of a shame to not be able to find someone like Dembaba or Loic Remy. Because if you look at the, the scoring record of uh, Remy and uh, Dembaba, they had maybe like 900 minutes uh, in the full season and maybe one goal every 90 minutes uh, they were able to score seven, eight, nine goals uh, just off the bench Yeah, um, and they were bought for like five or ten millions uh, transfer fee so um, the the decision to, to, to part with Ria Abraham was, uh, was difficult to understand because it was him and he was a Chelsea striker at Travet also because uh, the landscape in terms of center forwards who can do all those things is really dry at the moment. Uh, it's the same with goalkeepers and strikers. So maybe uh, a, a slight uh, sideways dig at uh, maybe how academies works, but uh, uh, there's a shortage of good goalkeepers and good strikers, uh, maybe because uh, there's a lot of academies putting a lot of emphasis on, uh, on possession drills and whatever, and some sort of profiles of uh, Perfect midfielders to to retain position, but uh, or wing backs, yeah, or wing backs, <laughs> wing yeah, backs yeah. are the wing backs are the new number ten set. That's yeah. the that's the uh, yeah. the new the new and, thing, yeah. And you don't find a, a striker able to to work hard up front and score goals. You've got people who can work hard, you've got people who can score, but people who can do both. And the options are yeah, Tanya Abraham, Ivan Tony maybe. I like Watkins, but he's a bit like a budget Rashford, uh, more like a wide striker. 
and uh, it would be like a, a Fernando Torres situation because Torres used to play on the counter at Liverpool with a yeah. with a full width with him because uh, Benitez used to play with uh, uh, Riera or uh, uh, or players used to to tuck in and play wide midfielders and really narrow yeah. really deep. Uh, if we are going to play with uh, people like Mudrik or uh, Nkunku and whatever, there's less space to run into. And Watkins would face uh, deep blocks, uh, wouldn't have uh, that much space compared to Aston Villa, so it would be maybe difficult. Someone I liked for a number of years maybe would be Colomouani. Yeah, yeah, he's been in your, he's been in your radio for ages. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I pitched him to, to you when he was at Nantes. Before yeah. his contract was running out, and yeah, is is that kind of peculiar striker able to play wide, able to play up front, work hard, finish? Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting because uh, I've been from time to time uh, trying to sort out uh, players on transfer market or whatever. Uh, six foot, six foot three or six foot two um, uh, striker able to score goals. Uh, the, the list is short. You've got players <laughs> who are not good enough, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's not, uh, it's, it's not, it's not easy to find someone uh, able to score. All right, editor Jake, one more time to say, well, I hope you guys are enjoying the episode. We're going to jump to the ads and be right back. When you're drafting your fantasy team, do you ever wish that you could handpick the best stars for your business team? Look, if you're building a talented roster, you need Indeed. Stop spending hours on multiple job sites finding the perfect candidate for the position because look indeed has all of the tools you need in one place to hire at warp speed sponsor a job and they're going to match you with the quality candidates whose resumes fit the job description that you post right away helps you start hiring fast and look indeed knows that you're growing your business you have to make every dollar count that's why with indeed you only pay for quality applications that match your must-have job requirements visit indeed.com slash blue wire to start hiring now just go to indeed.com slash blue wire indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply cost per application pricing not available for everyone need to hire you need indeed I have an interesting theory for you about the goalkeeper and, and the centre-forward thing, Seb, and I'd be interested to get your take on this because, uh, obviously, given your background here, but I I was looking at Chelsea's sort of goalkeepers and I remember, so Nathan Baxter, quite a talented goalkeeper, I think I, don't know, I might, might potentially have found his level where he is at the moment. He said to me, or say, said to me, sorry, when I read an article um, on him, what he was saying was that actually, I think he went on loan to like the Metropolitan Police team. So like literally playing non-league on loan from Chelsea. And I think he said to me that he made more saves in one half of a match than, he, than he'd done in about four or five Chelsea Academy yeah. games. So <laughs> goalkeepers at top academy sides, they're obviously they're obviously good players because they're there, but it's almost like they're not actually doing anything in games that is obviously going to sort of see them become a, a top player. And I guess it's, it's very similar for forwards where... You know, if you look at uh, that season that I think Chelsea had, what was it? Uh, probably Abraham and, and Dom Solanke up front. And it was this sort of competition, who's going to score the most goals. Yeah. Neither of them have to press. Neither of them have to do literally anything other than get on the end of these 700 chances that are being created per game. It's almost like that the the teams are so good that the goalkeeper doesn't get any any kind yeah, of, of in-match action. And then the forwards, they're not learning any kind of real-world skills in terms of pressing, pressing angles, in terms of the defensive side of the game. They're just, they're there to finish the, you know, the chances that they're, you know, world-class defenders and, and 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 you know, their midfielders are producing. So 
it, it does does that stand up in in terms of I guess what guess what 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 you've seen from from your experience? Yeah, yeah, it, it depends all the time on the, the league structure because sometimes the, the leagues are closed uh, in England uh, you've got academies playing against each other uh, B teams are outside of the pyramid and the, the key reason why France has been able to produce that many good players is that if you take uh, under 17 or under 19 uh, leagues at national level uh, where I was at uh, there's four groups of 14 teams and you've got seven amateur teams and seven academy teams so if you are going to compete in these leagues you are going to find a way to compete against an academy who's going to play a, a budget cerebral uh, <laughs> four switch three possession and uh, uh, 800 passes and uh, when they want to score they bring uh, the mbappe or the uh, whoever they want to 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 run in behind and score a goal. Yeah, it's literally the same pattern every time. So you've got half the games are going to be that pattern, and you've got half the games. Uh, either you are going to go in deep French countryside uh, to play against a team who's going to lump it, uh, even at 17 and 19 level. Um, and you've got also the, the Paris teams uh, you've got, uh, you know, the, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the fun fact about that is that the Paris area is split so that there's two or three Paris teams in each seed. So the center of the the French is uh, literally the Paris ones to to have. So, so so the point is to 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 have different types of matchups. And I've looked at a lot of under twenty one, under eighteen games on YouTube and. Uh, in England, and maybe sometimes it's a little bit too neat, too too clean, to because uh, academies plays against each other and they don't play against amateur teams. So, they but all I play think the same style here, so they yeah, all try yeah, yeah. to play the same style of football. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and I think the, the thing Chelsea has been really good at for a number of years now uh, is to loan players out at low levels very early. So you you've had, uh, as you mentioned, Baxter being loaned. Uh, but every goalkeeper has been able to, to, to play maybe a six-third or five-third of Conference League or League Two or League Two football very early at 18, 19, 20. And I think that's the way to go. And I think Abraham was able to, to build on that because he, he went early on loan at Bristol, at Swansea, and etc. So I think the pathway is to, to get good loans and to have uh, actual experience to, to, to do that. But of course, if you keep players in the loop uh, long enough, uh, they are going to play uh, non-competitive under-21 football uh, and not develop in real game situations, chaotic situations, uh, long ball situations, uh, set pieces, etc. You need to, to take them out of that uh, academy systems, which is able to produce great, great footballers. Yeah. Honestly, in terms of England, the comparison with France doesn't stand because France has a talent pool, which is incredible. Um, I don't think it's that far ahead of England, but England is able to, to, to produce players, um, functional players, and able to do every role. Uh, in France, you have the, the raw talent, and the raw talent is going to, to stay raw and be positionless uh, forever. And we don't produce... 
we, we don't have a Mason Mount, we don't have a Callagher, we don't have players like that, we don't have functional attackers. It's only uh, absolute freaks up front. And, <laughs> the yeah, yeah, and, this world, yeah. Yeah, and, and centre-backs, and that's it. And uh, England can produce this kind of players, but they need to be put in a, in a, at the right stage, of course, on loan, uh, maybe abroad, maybe, maybe in, the, in the pyramid. I think I once made the mistake of asking you for a list of French centre-backs under 23 yeah. <laughs> you might recommend. And the list came through was about yeah. 30 pages long. But yeah, yeah. I, I certainly take your point there. I think that the final point and the final thing that I want to look at before we close up for this, this podcast, Seb, is I guess looking at Chelsea's kind of wide, I'm going to call them wide attacking options or whatever sort of general pejorative term we want to use there. But two points really that I, I want you to, to sort of riff on here. First and foremost, I guess you you mentioned and certainly alluded to it earlier that there is probably a lack of coaching for some of these these raw players. Mudrick and, and Madueke come to mind here in terms of players that they obviously they've got some natural ability. You know, Mudrick's pace is absolutely going to be a weapon, yeah. and Madueke is is a talented player. What what do they need to do? I think from a development standpoint to close that gap so that they are more of a I guess a first team ready play. I mean, I, I've noticed certainly with Mudrick, great, you know, great pace, et cetera, but, you know, absolutely has no interest in coming back and helping defensively. I think Madueke is the same. And I think the second question there in, in terms of not just from a development standpoint, um, I guess it, it's around what what, what profile of player is, is going to work there for, for Chelsea in the future? Is it is it the pace merchant? Is it like a Mudrick? Is it a, a tricky player like a Madueke? You know, I'm not entirely sure what what we've kind of got, I guess, is sort of the question I'm asking there. So are we looking, I suppose, to summarise the two questions? How do we, how do you develop a, a raw, talented winger into a more complete footballer? And the second question is, is what kind of players we've got there? Because it's not like we've got your Williams and your Pedros who, to be honest, you know, being a, sort of admitting it here, I used to moan at them at times, but their ability to just retain the ball in the final yeah. third now I look at our players, you know, one touch tackle, one touch tackle, lose the ball, lose the ball, et cetera. I would kill to have Williams' yeah. ability to hold the ball for like five minutes just in the corner or, you know, not give the ball away. And same with Pedro, you, you just, you forget that the ability to keep the ball and have pressure in the final third comes from the ability to not lose it after two yeah, touches. So yeah. what what are we what are we kind of getting at in terms of profile and, and obviously the coaching point there? So I think we've got players who are more um, very good attackers but they are not the level of hazard or uh, maybe Neymar, of course. Uh, when you have <laughs> definitely not Neymar, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But when you have super good players like that, it's more about creating a standard of performance to be good every time. So you have to 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 feed them as early as possible to to let them play as they see it. We've got players who are really interesting, and I think the, the really the, the squad building in attacking options is really good because you have. Uh, Madweke was a right winger with a left foot, of course. Um, we still have Hudson-Odoi on the books. And I'm still on the train, but uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of losing hope. Uh, you've got Mudrik, the, the pace merchant, as you said. Um, you've got Sterling, who's able to play uh, out and out right winger as well. So we've got a lot of variety in terms of options. Um, I think the, the player was going to be really, really incredible is Nkunku because uh, people maybe in the mainstream space uh, are looking at him as some kind of goal, goal scoring forward. But in fact, he's maybe the best player France has produced 
uh, one of the top five best players France has produced for, for maybe 10 years. Wow. He's, yeah, yeah. He's some kind of eight or 10 uh, at PSG. He was incredible in, in youth, youth teams. He was, he was absolutely incredible. Uh, I've got stories of um, teams playing against him, against PSGB. So he was 17 at the time. He was playing as some kind of eight, ten, maybe some some kind of Mason Mount, and at halftime it was a fourth division team against them in the league. So the coach tells tell them at, at, at the half, uh, try to do something to stop him. And players were talking back. We can't even get close. So he's just <laughs> yeah yeah. So he's, he's so dynamic, so yeah. so 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 composed to to find connections with players. He's incredible to to connect attackers and i think he's going to be a, a big upgrade so but in terms of mudrick and madwick and people like that you are looking at maybe not feeding them as early as possible and let them play as they want it's more about finding the two or three situations they are really good at um i was lucky to to go uh, at the stadium against aston villa but when i see uh, mudrick asking the ball inside the pitch as some kind of David Silva or Bernardo or whatever, I, I was wondering, what are we doing here? He's <laughs> got to, yeah, but he's got to be someone receiving the ball on the after on the touchline to, to, to run at players, um, knock the ball and knock past people and cross and draw a foul. You, in fact, you need to find the two or three situations you are going to be really good at. And I think the, 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 the one thing Mount and Hudson Odoi are really good at is finding separation because if you can't find separation, you can't be able to impact the game. When you see Modric uh, receiving the ball uh, with acres of space around him, but back to goal and clattered by the defender, it's, it's not possible. You need to have someone tell him, okay, the ball is going to get to you within two passes. You, you need to open up, you need to turn, you need to face the space you want to attack. So it's all about finding the two or three uh, preferential sorry, situations um, to, to impact the game. Maybe not 10 situations, but two or three uh, into feet, into space. And uh, uh, yeah, and you need to, to, to help them to, to find a way, mostly to find separation. What they do on the ball, we know they can dribble, we know they can pass, we know they can dribble, we know they can shoot. Yeah. Maybe not shoot for Modric. Maybe he can. <laughs> yes, he can yes, we know. Way. We know they can't shoot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you need to to help them to find separation. And I'm I'm sorry, but it's all about coaching, video feedback, and show them on the pitch how to do it. Uh, Hudson Odoi is a great player, but he didn't develop his ability to find separation solely on his own. He's been helped and uh, received feedback, and uh, so so the key thing is that, and of course, having a manager who's able to 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 call them out. Not publicly after the game, but hey, you need to you need to to defend, you need to press, you need to track back, and part of the reason. But I am not going to dwell on that. But uh, maybe Graham Potter was delighted and maybe impressed to to coach that level of players. But you need to be able to tell a player, hey, you're not going to you're not going to to phase out uh, in games. Uh, go through the motions. Uh, you need to press. You need to defend. You need to track back. You need to do this and that. Um, if you don't have that level of uh, tactical or technical football authority, uh, you, you can't get anything out of a player. If he knows he can play on and off, 
and not getting feedback is not going to work. Yeah, I, I think as a as an ending point, that certainly is, a, is an interesting point to, to end on there, Seb. So thank you for joining me. And I guess as your first episode, I will never not be impressed that somebody is able to, to speak that, that fluently about football in, in a second language. I uh, speak bits and pieces of other languages and, and I can barely get, get around without sort of causing myself some mischief. So the fact you've navigated that in a second language is incredibly, incredibly impressive. Um to Chelsea fans, as always, if you want to give us a feedback, I am on Joe Tweedy. Uh, Seb, what are your socials these days? Uh, still the same. It's at Seb C and two underscores. There you go. Okay, so yeah, Seb will be. Uh, I'll note no that will be tagged in the in the in the episode when it comes out. But uh, as always, Chelsea fans, thank you for your time. Uh, going forward, Seb and I will be back on a sort of semi-regular schedule while we sort of figure the uh, the next round of pods out. Um, we'll be taking a look at Chelsea's next couple of games and I think assessing, hopefully, some uh, some positive moves from Lampard in terms of making determinations about who is going to be here, who is not. I think, as, as Seb alluded to, Lampard for forever, you know, whatever sort of thoughts he might have a, as a manager in terms of tactically, I think his his talent identification and his ability to spot a player is is certainly up there with, with most. So I'm hoping that he will have input on who is ready, who is not ready, who needs to move on, who needs to sort of stay and, and who they need to build around, etc. And I think that will be sort of the focus of the next pod. So as always, Chelsea fans, thank you for your time and we will catch you on the next one. Bye.